Hello and welcome to Rippercast, your podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders. This is episode 23, Watching the Detectives, a survey of Ripper documentaries for July 27th, 2008. I'm Jonathan Mangus, coming to you from Topeka, Kansas, and joining me today from Kingston-upon-Hull is Mike Covell, and our special guest to discuss Jack the Ripper in documentaries is Philip Hutchison the co-author with Robert Clack of the book, The London of Jack the Ripper, Then and Now. start back in 1959 with 1959's Farson's Guide to the British. And this one was with the TV presenter Dan Farson. He did a series of television shows, each focusing on a different aspect of British history, as far as I can gather. And the last two episodes of the 1959 season, possibly a part of the third episode, there's some confusion out there, dealt with the Jack the Ripper case. And this was inspired by his visit with uh, Lady Aber Conway, showing him her draft of Melville McNaughton's notes to the memorandum that's in this the uh, Scotland Yard files, mm-hmm. in which, in her notes, I believe the name appears M.J. Druitt, and then in Farson's show, he chose to only go by the initials of Druitt and just named the suspect as MJD. Now, no known copies of this very important documentary in the Ripper community exist. There are certain people who claim to have seen it, of course, when it aired back in 1959. But after that, that's it. There's no... Nothing I've ever read that it's ever been re-shown on British television since 1959. But it, it is one of the holy grails of Ripperology, is this, is this very first televised documentary on Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. The episodes were supposedly called uh, Wave of Terror, which may or may not have aired on November 5th, 1959, and The Curious Incident at the Grave on November 12, 1959, and it is in that episode that he discloses uh, Druitt's initials, holds up his death certificate, quotes from the Aberconway version of the McNaughton Memorandum, and also talks about the grave-spitting incident, uh, hence the title of that show, of the myth of Barnett spitting on Mary Kelly's grave at the funeral. Mm-hmm. So, Philip, uh, you want to talk about this one for a little bit? Um, all I know is, is that um, obviously it would have been shot in black and white, and uh, I believe there was a, an incident in there where Farson um, interviewed a woman who claimed her mother had actually lived in Mary Kelly's room after a murder or something, and there was something mentioned about people coming around and her charging them to see, uh, to see the room. 
Um, obviously, I don't know if, if, if that's true or, or even if the event actually happened in the program. Um, it has been the holy grail of, of uh, Ripper documentaries for some time. The chances of us finding a copy are, are extremely slight, I would think, at this stage. Um, people are so keen to see it. I would have assumed somebody like Andy Aliff, if it was still around, would have been able to attract the thing down by now. The part of the show that you mentioned in which um, they interview a woman... You say they interview a woman who lived in the in Miller's court in Mary Kelly's room af, after the uh, murder. Is this the same story of which there is supposedly a bloody handprint on the wall? Or I believe so. Know? Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh. I think I think that's the story. Oh, okay. So that this is this is the source of that of that. Yeah, story. I could I could be completely wrong, but I always understood that actually that that's where it came from. As a woman interviewed by Farson who said that her mother had lived at Thirty Miller's court in the years after the murder. Huh. This is something that I don't I, I don't know if it's been explained. Uh, I I certainly don't recall. But and and I don't know if you know this, Philip or Mike, is that it's always said that in preparation for his show, he um, went to talk to Lady Aberconway, who is Melvin McNaughton's daughter. Now, do we know if the show that he was preparing to do was a show on the Ripper? Or because the way it's always presented is this like out of out of nowhere, out of surprise, Aberconway shows him the McNaughton memoranda or her draft of out of the blue, and that and that's what um, he took as the subject matter for his episodes that that concern this case. Do we know if he was actually talking to Aberconway about something entirely different? in British history, like, as a subject for his show, or, or, if, or if he was uh, working on an episode about the Ripper murders when he went to interview her. Right. That's, for, personally, that would be a difficult one to answer. Uh, I know that uh, Farson had a, a fairly well-to-do family background. He may have actually known her through that. The other thing to bear in mind is that this would have been the time after a gap of some years. I think the, the previous publication had been, uh, oh, crack, I've forgotten his name now. In 1948, there was a Ripper book written. Um, but uh, McCormick's book had just come out in 1959, uh, The Identity of Jet the Ripper. And maybe there was a, a, a resurge of interest, and he might have decided to have actually pushed the issue through that. I don't know if that Lady Abercombe was actually mentioned in, in McCormick's book at all or not. But they could have given an, an impetus to have discussed the issue. Right. It's possible. It's possible that he was researching the Ripper. Um, according to the A to Z, the TV Times published on the seventh of November, nineteen fifty-nine, on the trail of Jack the Ripper, which was written by Daniel Farson. Um, it also lists the episodes as going out on the fifth and the twelfth, so that kind of falls in between. So, was he researching the Ripper, or did the Ripper, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, it's quite interesting, but. Having that article come out at the same time to me suggests that he was doing a little bit of Ripper research, and um, you know, as Philip said, there was quite a lot of interest um, at that point. Um, and what better to include in your your guide to the British than a good old British serial killer from the past? Right. And um, Farson went on to write a book uh, several years later on Jack the Ripper, in, in which he further investigates Druitt's status as a suspect. That's right. Um, the book came out in 1972. It was also the first time that some of the mortuary shots had been published, uh, for, for, as far as the public's concerned. Oh, okay. Farson um, is deceased. He, he died uh, about 10 years ago. That's um, right. And 
his theory on Druid has gotten a good going over um, by subsequent writers on the case who are pushing their own suspects. You know, um, but nevertheless, as far as anyone knows, the first television um, documentary on Jack the Ripper also happens to be one of the most important in its impact on the case and um, one of the most elusive to to actually watch. Mm-hmm. There was uh, quite a gap between 1959's Farson Guide. To, oh, if anyone has a copy of Farson's Guide to the British, by the way, um, send it to Philip Hutchison. And I'm sure he'll share it with everybody else. Free of no, charge. <laughs> but uh, so between um, between 1959. In 1973, there was uh, a lull in um, television presentations on the Jack the Ripper case. I haven't been able to locate any Jack the Ripper-themed documentaries from the 1960s. But in 1973 comes along what's possibly the second most famous Ripper documentary, and that is the docudrama that was put on by Barlow and Watt in six parts simply entitled Jack the Ripper. Now, Barlow and Watt were famous before their Jack the Ripper series as true crime, or not true crime, sorry, but as a, a fictional um, detectives on British television. But uh, from what I can make of it, it's kind of, kind of like a comedy uh, deal, right? Uh, get smart type of, of program. Uh, not 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 slapstick comedy. It was a it was a kind of a light light hearted drama. I mean, the, the comedy was based on on uh, irony and, and sarcasm and that kind of thing, rather than uh, you know somebody falling over into a patch of mud. <laughs> okay, now so and then they also went on after this Jack the Ripper um, series to be in other television shows, and you know their fame continued. But their uh, six part um, Jack the Ripper. Uh, series is is really interesting for a number of reasons they one of one one which is that they rely heavily on verbatim inquest testimony transcripts written reminiscences of police officials and all all of these things uh, portrayed by actors as barlow and watt in present day 1973 london Look back to uh, investigate this crime. These these crimes in flashback mode are dramatizations uh, chronologically going along of all all of these inquests and interviews and everything like that. And secondly, it, it's important because at the end of the sixth and final episode, there is uh, uh, a piece with Joseph Gorman Sicker in which he discusses his theory uh, of the case, um, which is given a lot of credence in the documentary, or in the docudrama itself, in which Barlow and Watt were kind of battling back and forth throughout the the show between uh, their two pet theories, one of which is the Masonic theory. Yeah, um, again, I could be wrong here, but I'm of the understanding that uh, the program was the first time that the uh, the Gorson Street Graffito had ever been referred to as having any kind of Masonic connection, 
Uh, obviously, you know, even to this day, you know, people are now speaking about the misspelling of the word Jewess. Did it have significance? When, of course, it, it, it probably didn't. Um, but in the, uh, in the program, they erroneously said that uh, the Jewess, of course, was uh, the collective name for Jubilar, Jubilo, and Jubilum, who were the Masons who were supposed to have killed the Grandmaster Hiram Abif because he wouldn't reveal Masonic secrets to them whilst uh, they were building the Temple of Solomon. Although, collectively, of course, they're referred to as the Ruffians. They've been dropped from English Masonic law uh, a long time before that but uh, that the program i believe is the first time that uh Jewez is deemed to be a significant spelling and now i i was not aware of that that, that that was the first time that that was mentioned but um it's because one of the two um i forget if it was barlow or what <clears throat> um uh, is, is kind of um focusing in on the masonic angle um mm-hmm. And t- trying to tie in Prince Eddie to the murders. Another interesting uh, thing about it is that in doing these dramatizations with these actors, there's a scene with Charles Warren, I believe, when he is reciting the letter he wrote to the press explaining his logic for having the Goldstone Street graffito erased, the one in which he says that, you know, he was afraid that a riot would be imminent and all of this. In which, if you look closely, the uh, pieces of paper that are on his desk that has written on it, um, the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing, I believe is, is, a, is a reproduction, an actual reproduction, uh, a real version in, in, in Warren's hand that exists. Oh. He holds up in this scene a little piece of paper that, that has the Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing written on it, and, it, and I believe it's identical to the real the real McCoy, from what Stuart Evans has posted scans of on the casebook in the past. I don't know if they're there anymore. but um, and, and so I think that the show's attention to detail, I mean, they should be applauded for a number mm. of things. Um, their, and their, their attention to detail, the, the, they have the characters, Barlow and Walt, looking through what are supposed to be the Scotland Yard files. You know, they, um, they use this huge white writing tablet in which they, um, as the case progresses, they uh, fill in more and more details to construct their theories. But it should be uh, applauded for its, its, its attention to detail and, and, it, and, and its use of the official documents. At the same time, there are errors, of course. Yeah, but I have a feeling that most of those errors are probably based on the knowledge we had about the case at the time. Bearing in mind this was shot 35 years ago. Uh, and, of course, some of the errors are there simply for dramatic effect. Right. Um, um, and they visit a few of the murder sites, which is also an important um, aspect of this film. Is that there, um, And the East End does not look good um, in 1973. <laughs> but they go to Mitre Square and they go to Buck's Row. Yeah, they were the only two of the, uh, of the canonical or McNaughton five sites that were still largely unaltered by that time. Uh, Miller's Court come down in 1928. Burner Street, that side of 99. Um, and, of course, uh, Hanbury Street had only just come down on that side when they shot the thing. So I guess they chose those two sites only because they're about the only two they could get to that look pretty much as they did at the time of the murders. This series, the Barlow and Watt series, has been um, seen by many of us because of its proliferation on the Internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has never been... Officially released. It, correct me if I'm wrong, Philip. Uh, no, it's in, in it's, it's not original been original format. I mean, in, it, in its pristine quality. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I, I doubt if a pristine one exists anymore. Uh, this was the time when videotape was extremely expensive and uh, the, the TV companies used to wipe the programs as soon as they'd been broadcast because it was just far too expensive to, to try to keep the tapes. Um, Andy Ailey managed to track down copies uh, after doing a lot of research and all the copies that we have come, come from that. Some are time-coded, some are extremely poor quality and the more the thing circulates, more and more people are making their own bootleg, bootleg copies so the quality is decreasing more and more as we go down the line. It is available if you know where to look. I think it may be on YouTube even. I'm not sure. Do you know, Mike? I've not checked. Yes, go on, Mike. You're the YouTube man. I've not seen it on there, actually. Not not yet. Oh, well, maybe before too long it will be. I don't know if, if it's copyright. I'm sure it's someone still owns the rights to that um, series, and YouTube's kind of getting in a little bit of a pickle as far as uh, uh, copyrighted material showing up on there. But... Um, but if you happen to come across it, uh, it is definitely well worth the watch. Mm-hmm. And um, like Philip said, although the quality may be degraded because you're liable to be getting a hundredth copy of a copy, <laughs> it still holds up and, it, and it's worth it. Now, <clears throat> that that um, series, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Barlow and Watt, uh, Jack the Ripper, um, spawned a book, The, <clears throat> the Ripper File. Mm-hmm. Which uh, was written by um, some uh, uh, some of the writers on the show. Yes, yeah, so and- J- Joan Jones and Lloyd in 1975. Okay, and and it, it was basically a. I haven't read that book, but um, it was basically a rehash of everything you'd see in the documentary, or. Uh, that's right. I have a copy. I've I've not read it, but I've I've flicked through it a uh, a bit, um, and certainly what I've seen in there seems to match up with the documentary. The, the same ideas of of uh, you know going on with the with the Masonic conspiracy again, although the other uh, information is does seem to be fairly accurate. The Barlow and Watt show, although you know they're basically debating between Druitt and um, Prince Eddie towards the end as far as their suspects. And they have this interview tagged on the end with Joseph Gorman Sickert. They never come down and say, "We've solved it. This is who it is." You know. So that that's that's another good thing about the show. All right, uh, moving along. Still in the seventies is uh, a show that was really popular in the United States in the nineteen seventies. It probably aired over there in the UK called In Search of. It was hosted by Leonard Nimoy. Um, from Star Trek, and ah. did have you guys uh, did that air in the UK? No, it didn't. No, no, this is a new one on me. I've never seen this one. Oh, okay. Well, In Search of was uh, a series uh, that went from seventy six to eighty two, and and they were mini doc. I mean, they were like half hour long documentaries, or or may- maybe some of them lasted a little bit longer. Each one dealing with the mystery, UFOs, Bigfoot, Amelia Earhart, uh, you know, any kind of mystery uh, you could imagine. The In Search of series covered it. And like I said, it was hosted by Leonard Nimoy from Star Trek. And they did an In Search of Jack the Ripper. And um, it pretty openly comes out and says Prince Eddie was Jack the Ripper. Right. I believe that uh, this series has been replayed 
it, it was repackaged um, and replayed. I think A and E, the um, American cable channel, yeah, um, may have bought the rights to the In Search of series, and um, <clears throat> and ha- and uh, they replay them um, in syndication. It's uh, uh, you know typical. I would I mean I would guess of the of the seventies, full of errors. And um, that one may have been released on DVD. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I've I've uh, I've posted the link on the Ripper Case book. If you go to the YouTube section where all the documentaries are, um, on that thread there, the full list. I think it's split into three segments, um, so you can click on it and watch it from there. Oh, okay. So that one is on YouTube. Excellent, you won for me. Great. You know, it, it's it's kitschy, but you know Leonard Nimoy in the United States anyway, and this is kind of a cult series. You know, um, it has its own f- fans just because of its kind of silliness and um, sure, and and uh, Leonard Nimoy being a, a cult figure in the U.S. because of his work on Star Trek show. Um, but but it's a fun one, and 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 the In Search of series in particular is a good one, and, I, and I, I'm sure there are a number of other episodes on YouTube of of that series. Um, that it, it's a it's a good series to check out. Which leads us to um, Stephen Knight, whose book uh, may have been responsible for the In Search of show. I, I'm not sure, um, but um, his book, The Final Solution, was. Uh, made into a documentary that aired in 1980 mm-hmm. called Jack the Ripper, The Final Solution, which I, I liked, actually. And uh, Stephen Knight is interviewed extensively throughout the documentary. And everyone has their opinion of Stephen Knight, but I, I, uh, I thought I liked the show, even though I don't believe in the theory one bit. Just to see Stephen Knight talk about his own theory and it contains quite a bit of errors as well even coming out of Stephen Knight's mouth but nevertheless it, it was a good one what did what did you think about that yeah. one Philip I've I've not found it over sensationalist uh, I found it competently made its biggest redeeming factor for me is that it has I believe the only film we have of the uh, the Goulston Street doorway before it was uh, gutted inside it actually shows a short clip of the presenter standing in the doorway, and it looks dark and full of rubbish and nasty and smelly. Yeah, and the presenter, um, uh, do we know? I don't, I don't remember who hosted that one. But it was a, a, sm- a small Australian guy, isn't it? I don't know who he was. Yeah, I don't either, but he, you know, the, the opening sequence to the documentary is pretty strange because it has the presenter, um, I think he's wearing like a motorcycle jacket or something like that, um, walking through a park, you know, um, all mysterious, and, and there's this really long extended um, introduction sequence with the, the presenter, you know, talking about how, you know, oh, he's on the trail of Jack the Ripper and all of this, and and um, then he goes and sits down and, and interviews Stephen Knight. This was, of course, after the publication of Knight's book, and it... It, it it was a pretty good one. I don't know. Mike, have you seen uh, The Final Solution? I've not, but I'm just reading IMBD and it says here that it's an hidden feature 
on the two-disc version of From Hell. That's right, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I'll have to have a look at that. Um, the narrator is listed as a Ray McGregor. Okay, um, yeah, I I remember that. They uh, re-released that um, as a special feature on From Hell, um, which I don't have that two-disc feature um, that has that on there, but, um, but it, it's worth checking out. Yeah, I'll have a look at that one. Now, there's a few uh, that came out in the 80s that we can talk about. I've only seen one of the handful that came out in the 80s, which was the Time Watch show. Shadow yeah, that's the the, uh, the the Chris Frayling one, wasn't it, from 1987? Right, and I, I liked that one. It had its weird moments, but this one um, had Martin Fido interviewed extensively through it. In fact, uh, Martin's scenes, um, he's taking... A group of teenagers uh, along a ripper walk at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the particular bit where they're trying to reconstruct him being in the backyard of Twenty Nine Hanbury Street. <laughs> right, <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. A lot of it, it's it's odd. Um, and the scene um, where he's supposedly in Dutfield's yard. Mm. Um, I don't know if he was actually on location, but it, it was just this. You know, he was standing up against just a white wall um, and pointing at the ground. And then um, the scene in which he discusses the murder of Mary Kelly, they went to the uh, parish convent down the street from Miller's Court, um, mm-hmm. where uh, he states as fact that she uh, spent time there worked for the the sisters in the convent and stuff. They have Martin and all of the students, or uh, or the the teenagers, crowded into this little hospital room. And then Martin kind of has to push his way through all these kids as he's talking to sit down on the bed. Uh, And and so he sits down on this bed uh, and goes into pretty graphic detail about the murder of Mary Kelly while sitting on the, the bed in um, the night refuge. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is a great show to watch, if only to see uh, Martin Fido conduct a Ripper walk. Yeah. There were other uh, shows. That, now, I don't believe Shadow of the Ripper has been released on DVD. But sure. I, again, this is one that's only available on, on a bootleg copy. Okay. Um, now, there were other documentaries from the 80s. Um, Biography uh, did a Jack the Ripper Phantom of Death with Peter Grave, the same title was used um, in um, in a 1996 biography, yeah. A and E biography channel. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But apparently, there's a biography ch- uh, channel, Jack the Ripper documentary, that came out in '87. And in chime in if you've seen any of these, Philip, or want to comment on some. Okay, of them. no, that one I've not seen. I mean, we we're, were discussing before we started broadcasting that uh, that some of them have the same titles, and I don't know which ones I have and don't. The one I've got is definitely the '96 one. The one that's got the uh, the ch- the East End children singing at the end with really strong American accents. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> In 1988, we had a few. We had uh, the Secret Identity of Jack the Ripper, and and then the Time Watch show. Mm-hmm. Um, and following upon that, uh, there was a a show called Secrets of the Unknown. Is uh, is that the one that's a really short one, and there's there's some guy looking through some huge type of telescope thing? Because I, I do have I a copy of that. Seen it, so it sounds I'm like one sure. I've got. It's it's about fifteen minutes long, literally, uh, and it's it's really poor quality. 
Now, um, does it just quickly go over the facts of the, of the murders, or I mean, what? What, well, what yeah, can they discuss in fifteen minutes? Exactly, it, it it tries to cover it all in in a, in a you know a little soundbite really. Um, the information in there it's 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 hugely erroneous. It's exactly the kind of thing you'd expect from a fifty-minute uh, piece made with very little research. You have your very young prostitutes wearing their fine bustles and corsets and lace and everything, on all right, dearie, and being you know screaming and being slashed with a knife and blood pouring everywhere. Um, I, I, it didn't really try to address any of it. It simply tried to just uh, say this this was Jack the Ripper and that's it. There was one made shortly afterwards as well. Um, it, the series went under many titles. Again, it was a short one, but it was hosted by Patrick McNee. It was all to do with uh, mysteries, magic, and, and miracles, and that and that kind of thing. They did a piece on the Ripper as well, which was uh, very similar, actually. Uh, also very brief and, and uh, very erroneous. Was this a Crime Monthly show? Um, uh, no, the crime. No, no, the Crime Monthly is a different kettle of fish altogether. Uh, the Crime Monthly was in nineteen ninety. And um, hosted by Paul Ross, and um, it's actually quite a good one. And this, um, from what I've uh, been able to gather, was just shown in London. That's that's right. Yeah, uh, Crime Monthly was uh, a, a series um, that was only just just broadcast in in the London area on uh, the ITV network. Okay. And do you recall anything about that show? Uh, again, I have I have a copy on on pirate DVD, but again, it's it's never been released. Um, I never saw it when it was on. It was it was just before I got my interest in the case. You know, literally by a couple of months, really. Um, but uh, yeah, I have a copy of it. It's it's fairly accurate. Um, I think it's it's interviewing Paul Begg at some length in there. Um, so obviously, you know, Paul comes across really well in it. Um, and it also goes to Kosminski's grave at the end. Which is a bit of a first as well. Huh. Now, um, in the '90s, the first one I have on my list after the Crime Monthly one, which, uh, like we said, just aired in London, is uh, the documentary "The Diary of Jack the Ripper: Beyond Reasonable Doubt." I enjoyed this one, if only because it it had all of my favorites. You know, it had Paul Bag in it, Martin Fido. I think Keith Skinner was in it. I'm, I believe Rumbelow was in it. I think Shirley Harrison was in it extensively. And it was an examination, of course, of the Ripper Diary of, of James <laughs> Maybrook as a suspect. And a lot of the show is the uh, Ripperologists with Shirley Harrison kind of sitting around a round table going back and forth about the merits of the book. You see the, the participants in the show kind of hedging their bets, um, don't you, Phil? Yeah, you get people like Martin Fider that they're trying to discuss its uh, its merits and why it could be rather than uh, why it can't be. I have a feeling maybe it's been edited pretty heavily afterwards, so it looks like everybody's agreeing with it rather than saying what they really thought. Certainly, Martin Fider in a documentary shortly afterwards uh, said that nobody believes the nonsense written in the in the diary, which is only a couple of years after that. It's actually it was on, on one of his audio tapes to do with Jack the Ripper when he, when he said that, and this was shortly after he'd done the, he'd done the the programs. So I have a feeling it was edited so it looked like people weren't disagreeing with it. Right, and that that is something that I noticed too when I was watching it is that um, it does go into details about the murders that would have been only known to the murderer, but it doesn't um, go into the uh, things that have been uh, talked about that are in the diary that didn't exist like the post house is the obvious example that didn't mm-hmm. exist at the time of the murders um, that point to it being a fake but it it is good um, to see the banter back and forth you know um, 
discussing the diary. Um, it's interesting in its own merits if you have an interest in the Maybrick case, as in the, the, the one concerning his wife Florence, and, and obviously nothing to do with the, with the diary business. That there, the camera does take a trip uh, around Battle Creek's house itself, which is something, of course, people wouldn't have seen before. Right, and it may have been commercially released on VHS. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think it certainly was. And so uh, copies of that are probably floating around somewhere out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is, I don't know if I'd call it one of the better ones, but, you know, it's hard to judge all these documentaries on bad, better, and best because they all have their problems. But, um, but Sure, it, it's, it's watchable. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Mike, have you seen the Diary of Jack the Ripper documentary? I have, yes. Um, it is quite readily available on both video and DVD um, on Amazon. Quite cheap as well. Um Michael Winner, of course, was there, the um, the presenter of this one, which added a little bit um, for me. Anyway, he's always sort of associated with, you know, the the dark dealings of the man. Um, all, all the movies he's directed are all kind of dark and and stuff like that. So to see him on a, a Jack the Ripper documentary for me um, was fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's. The, the it sort of goes back and forth um and don't really go anywhere i enjoy it um you know it's it's one of my fave ripper documentaries um but it, it could have really gone somewhere it just seems to go on and on and on and not really reach any solid conclusions um who who was the presenter of that one again michael winner and what 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 films has he made death, death wish, wish. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're trying to think of other things he's done. <laughs> Death Wish parts one to fifty. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's the Charles Bronson movies. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Philip and I mentioned this uh, earlier. Is that the biography channel A and E's biography did a remake or did not remake, but they did another Jack the Ripper biography called Phantom of Death. Mm. Um, that was not with Peter Graves. This was in '96, and that's the one that Philip referred to earlier with the school children singing the 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 playground rhyme i i think the a&e biographies are pretty well done yeah it's it's certainly i think up to that point um with the exception of the time watch one which which is certainly very academic it's probably about the most accurate one that had been made up to that point i believe biography uh, a&e releases all most all of their uh their shows on vhs and dvd Mm-hmm. These days, so that that one's pretty readily available as well. Now, the next one um, I haven't seen, which is this uh, histories, mysteries, the hunt for Jack the Ripper. Have I either one of you seen that one? This was a 1998 production. I'm sure I have that. Was this actually one that was broadcast, the one that was available for for purchase? Because I, I, I the I name sounds know. familiar. I'm sure I have a copy of it, um, but I couldn't tell you about it offhand. Mike, I know I've I know I've got it on video somewhere. It rings a bell. It does ring a bell, but uh, can't be that great then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was it available in a box set? Oh, it may have. I could have sworn I, I could have. Yeah, I thought I'd seen it along with with the two other documentaries on more mysteries, um, but I've not seen it as a standalone DVD. It's. Uh, it's available on Amazon for three pounds twenty nine. It's not one of Richard Jones's early ones, is it? It's not listed on the 
Right, okay, it can't be as then. You can buy it brand new for £4.97. Well, um, so none of us have, uh, recall anything about the hunt for Jack the Ripper. Um, no. But uh, as um, Mike said, that one's available. History's Mysteries. Um, I think that that's a series that um, may continue to this day. The name sounds familiar. You had the website open. It's the it's done by the History Channel, um, right. so it's okay. it's American. But the only listings they've got are for two thousand and five. There's nothing. Um, oh, here we go. Two thousand and eight. They did one on the the Bermuda Triangle. So yeah, it's still going today. The the date I have for this one is nineteen ninety eight, which may or may not be correct. Um, now there's a few um, more coming up that I haven't seen. 2000's Jack the Ripper, an ongoing mystery. 2001's To Kill and Kill Again. Ah, the big one. Is that the big one and I've missed it? That's uh, that's the one that generally, if people are trying to get a Ripper documentary, um, uh, I can't think of the word, uh, recommended. Why does Sam Travel think of recommended? If they're trying to look for recommendation for a movie, To Kill and Kill Again is, is usually the one that everybody goes for. It's only got about two or three errors in the whole thing. It's uh, it's it's about the best one there is. Really? Yeah. Huh. Do we know who hosts that one? Um, it had a voiceover. Um, there's interviews with most of the leading figures in it. Stuart Evans features in it prominently. Uh, it was part of a BBC series done on. Sorry, not BBC. Uh, a, a British series done on the Channel Four network in the UK. It had uh, several episodes, each an hour long. It, it dealt with. Uh, uh, people like uh, Haig and, and Harold Shipman and the Moors Murders and, and Dennis Nelson and the Yorkshire Ripper and, and Fred and Rose West and it had a whole episode on the Ripper as well. Does does uh, So it goes into suspect theorizing towards the end and would have mentioned Tumblety? Or- I think it does actually. I'm not absolutely sure. Um, Stewart's first main documentary was one made uh, for The Secret History on Channel 4 in 1996. Right, um, and and that's that's dealing exclusively with tumble tea. But if Stuart's in it, I'm fairly sure. I've not seen it for a year or so, but I'm fairly sure that tumble tea will be covered in it. Oh, we skipped the secret history because uh, I didn't have a date for that one. Um, yeah, 1996. Right, uh, and and I liked that one a lot. Yeah, that's a good one too. This uh, goes into uh, the discovery of the little child letter and interviews both um, Ganey and Evans as well as the, I believe, that the footage shot of the gentleman who um, sold the little child letter to Evans is accurate. I don't know. That, I don't think he was deceased at this time. It shows him in, a, in his bookshop or something along those lines. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, that was uh, Secret History of the Whitechapel Murders is what that one's subtitled. Um, yeah, that's, that's still available to buy on, on sell-through video, and it's, it's just called the Whitechapel Murders. Okay. Uh, if, if you, yeah. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. It it has Ganey going through Microfish files, you know, looking. I mean, they they did a lot of good recreations, uh, even though they were recreating, you know, an event only a couple of years old, which is the uh, investigation into Tumblety as a suspect. Um, it, it was pretty well done. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, it's it's worth searching out just to see Stuart in his police uniform because this is before he'd actually uh, left the, left the force. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that was uh, 1996, and we said that Stuart again appears in To Kill and Kill Again, which was 2001, and I hadn't had seen that one. Have you, Mike? 
I've not seen that one, no. Again, you will be able to find bootleg copies on the internet, and that's definitely the number one one to, to check out if you've not seen. Then we get into 2002's Omnibus, Tracking the Killer. Oh. Oh. One of Philip's favorites, I take it. <laughs> no. <laughs> this was uh, the Patty Cornwell documentary. Yeah. Uh, tell us some about that one, Philip. Well, it's it's kind of what you'd expect. She's been taken around the archives at the Manchester Art Gallery down in the cellar, and she's shown the painting Jack the Ripper's Bedroom. And we all know that what the story behind that really is, is that when Sicker was actually lodging at a place, his landlady said that there was a room that she thought Jack the Ripper used to lodge there, so he painted it. But Sicker takes that as being, you know, um, sorry, not sick. Uh, Cornwall takes that as being, oh, look, there we are. He's painting his own room. And it goes on with all that kind of theorizing. She's interviewed at length. Um, the, the, the thing that really grates, and I'm sure anyone who's seen it will, it will instantly strike a bell with them. She's shown some uh, cine film footage of Sicker in his final years at the end. And it's just an old man, you know, wear it with a beard and a, and a hat and stuff. And um, he looks into the camera and she goes, look at those eyes. That, that's, that's one evil son of a bitch. Just because he has slightly narrow eyes. So, <laughs> you know, th- th- that's really, um, that sums up the whole documentary. Oh, my. She had uh, appeared, um, it was probably right around this time, in American, on American television. Uh, I believe it was uh, Dateline NBC or something like that, where they did an hour-long show with Cornwell. Um, talking about uh, her book. It was just, you know, publicity for her book. Um, and s- some of the same things. I, now, I don't know if they interspersed inter- inter- uh, footage from this documentary. I don't believe this omnibus uh, show aired in the United States. But, yeah, around the same time, uh, Patricia Cornwell was doing quite a, n- a number of uh, television shows on the in the U.S. So, mm-hmm. Well, I haven't seen that one. Have you seen that one, Mike? Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> didn't like it. So we go. We went from To Kill and Kill Again to uh, to Tracking the Killer, which is just from one of the best to one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> 2003, there were a couple of them. Um, Jack the Ripper Conspiracies and Jack the Ripper Revealed Truth at Last. Now, I've seen the Conspiracies one, and I thought it was okay. Not one of my favorites, but I haven't seen the Jack the Ripper revealed truth at last. If I'm not mistaken, that is um, a, a DVD that was done purely, really, for the internet market. It's just one guy um, sitting at a, uh, a, a in front of the camera, just basically narrating for uh, about an hour and a half in a fairly deadpan fashion, just the history of the case, and then trying to sum up at the end who he thought uh, JTR was. And if Freddie goes with Drew, it, it's it's fairly competently made, but it's absolutely no budget at all. Uh, and and the the guy who hosts it, he'd done a whole series of them. Uh, even one was actually on uh, on what is a chav. And <laughs> I, I don't I don't know I don't know if you, you do you have chavs in the states, Jonathan. Um, they may be called something else, but what is it? Right, uh, basically, a, a, a chav in the UK. It's some people now classing it as a derogatory term. Um, it's it's meant to be somebody. It's, it's usually fairly young, of, of fairly low intelligence, sort of like maybe have a have a family before they legally can. They're living on uh, on state handouts in estates uh, in in really bad parts, and they just exist just to get drunk and cause violence and wear an awful lot of jewelry and designer clothing. 
Yes, we have we have those types in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess almost in a way, it, it's uh, it's almost the UK equivalent fact, of what you ter- of what you term trailer trash. We, we probably exported that uh, lifestyle yeah. <laughs> to the UK. To tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, uh, Jack the Ripper conspiracies um, was this was straight to DVD also, wasn't it, or or was this uh, televised? No, it it was it was designed for DVD. It was uh, written by a guy called Liam Dale, who who again does a whole series of of uh, of videos and DVDs oh, okay. on various subjects, not just to do with crime. Um, and he generally, when you buy these things on the internet, if you get them on eBay, it's generally he himself that's actually selling them. Uh, his first one was called Jack the Ripper's London, which I think he actually made himself. The second one, uh, Jack the Ripper Conspiracies, was a commissioned work. Uh, consequently, it's it's longer. Uh, it's it's very ghoulish. Um, it is fairly accurate, although there's some errors. But the thing that most people speak about if they have a copy of it is uh, his bizarre style of, of narration, uh, which everybody comments on but nobody appreciates. It just starts out, um, you know, with a, a a guy with his hands full and of some and, and some animals' uh, entrails. That's actually Liam himself. Apparently, they said that that's his hands. They asked him to do it. <laughs> pretty creepy um, <laughs> yeah you, you've seen that one right mike Jack uh, i had a copy on video and i've got a copy on dvd of that one right what, what do you think of it i didn't mind it actually it was a easygoing documentary it wasn't one of the best but it wasn't one of the worst by far um but yeah i picked my copy up quite cheap it was just at a bargain bookshop i think it was 99p or something stupid like that um so it was it was quite cheap for a, a dvd um I mean, they're quite readily available anyway. You can go on the internet, like Philip said, and, and pick them up for mere pennies. Um, so it's quite a, a, a popular one on the internet. Right. That that's what I kind of gathered is that um, that it, it is it is getting popular on the internet. And that's probably to the credit of the maker of the film that he uses uh, the internet um, to distribute his film. In two thousand four, there was Unsolved History: Jack the Ripper. Which I have not seen. Does anyone else um, recognize that one? No. Again, that 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 name doesn't mean anything particularly yeah. to me. Anything that's got history and then just Jack the Ripper in it could be one of of a multitude of programs. And then we get to um, the star of the show, the Secret History of the Freemasons, in two thousand six. And I guess. Oh it, God, that that's the one I did, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Oh Lord! Um, and and now I don't know if in the UK it was called Freemasonry Secrets Revealed. It um, was, yeah. Okay, and now this was, um, and and it still plays in the United States. It's so popular. This was uh, when I saw it. It was a, th- a three-hour-long documentary on the history of the Freemasons. Part of the end of hour two, I believe. Uh, and how it was broadcast in the United States covers the theory that Jack the Ripper was a Freemason. And you, Philip, are interviewed in that one. Yeah. And and why don't you tell us a little bit about that production? Right. Well, they were a brilliant bunch of people to work for. Uh, they paid me well. They looked after me well. They stayed in touch afterwards. They sent me a copy of the finished program as they said they would, which uh, all those things combined is very rare. Uh, the, the Ripper excerpt is only about four minutes long in, in the whole program. Uh, it's dealing with all kinds of things to do with Freemasonry. It's very slickly made, but uh, the errors in that 
particular piece are huge. I'd done a great deal of research before they interviewed me because knowing it was going to be broadcast, I didn't want to look like an idiot, especially not in front of the rest of the Ripper community. But when it came to broadcasting the bit, I'd said they'd edited it uh, really badly. They'd left in most of the parts while I was explaining why the Ripper was thought to have a, a, a Masonic connection rather than me explaining why it was all nonsense. Then they did some voiceovers in the studio and they got things completely wrong. They, um, they spoke about Prince Eddie being a leading Freemason and he was actually having an affair with Catherine Eddowes of all people which is why she was killed. Um, the, the one thing they do do to their credit is that they do show a chap actually sitting on the steps actually looking at a knife and he looks like a typical East Ender rather than Gentleman Jack, uh, which is something, you know, with all the other errors they'd made, you'd think the first thing they would have done is stick him in a top hat and a cloak, but they didn't. Now, in the American um, viewing of, of this, they do show you saying that the idea that Jack the Ripper is a Freemason is complete nonsense. They must not have included your reasons why it was kind of like you know a shot yeah there, there is a little bit at the end why i'm actually um just explaining about the, the, the but it's, it's only very brief um most of my interview my whole purpose of being on there what they asked me to be on there was to speak about why jack the ripper was not connected to the masons and it turns out they just had me doing a little soundbite at the end rather than the rest of the interview right and and i recall um when you were first approached to do this uh because you talked about it on the boards. This was a Canadian production, correct? That's right. It was made um, for the Discovery Channel, uh, the Canadian-based company, but obviously it was made for Discovery in the U.S. And um, and they did some recreations, uh, if you want to call it that, of Jack leaving the Goulston Street graffito on the wall, or, or a wall. Um, <laughs> and and um, there there is a... A few inaccuracies in, in their portrayal. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of inaccuracies yeah. in that, um, but I'm I'm not guilty of them. <laughs> right, but you know it, it's a it's a good one because you're in it. You know and that's the only reason any of one any of us <laughs> want to watch it is because <laughs> it, it's 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 replayed. Uh, like I said, they they must replay this thing uh, three or four times a year at least in the United States, and and so it is worth checking out the Discovery Channel has i don't know like five different um satellite cable channels now uh so you know you can probably find it once a week if you wanted to but check out check out that one to see philip and that was the secret history of the freemasons or freemasonry secrets revealed now you've done since we're on uh the topic of you you've you've been in more documentaries on jack the ripper than just this one the freemason show is might be the one that people are most familiar with, but because you've done some work on some other ones, uh, uh, European ones, that may not be readily available. Yeah, uh, there's uh, one done for Swedish television. I have, I have uh, Glenn Anderson to thank for getting me involved in that. They interviewed Glenn at length uh, at home about the Ripper. Obviously, it's all in Swedish, but they came to the UK and they had me showing them around uh, round the sites. That's only about 15 minutes long, but um, certainly from, from what I can see of it, I think, yeah, some of it, obviously my bits are subtitled. Um, they, they left me in English rather than dubbed me over. Um, but from what I can see, that's been done pretty well. I can't see them having any errors as such because most of it is, is left down to Glenn and me to do it rather than them uh, trying to write all the dialogue themselves. Um, that was done in December 2006. Uh, last year, along with a load of other people from the Ripper field, uh, Don Rumbelow was involved, 
and uh, Alan Sharp was in it as well. Um, there was a French hour-long program called Babylon, which is uh, – now, obviously, I don't speak French, but um, – Apparently, it's a very good piece of work. I've been sent a copy. It's a very slick uh, effort. They've not been uh, too over the top in how they've treated it. Uh, I'm only at the start, just giving a very, uh, just just showing being given a uh, giving a ripper tour to an invited audience. It's meant to look like just casual members of the public. I have just done another one as well, which hasn't been broadcast yet, called "Being Jack the Ripper," which is for the History Channel. It's made by the same people that made the uh, the Channel Five. Uh, in the UK documentary where they showed uh, the the E-Fit photo of uh, Jack the Ripper and tried to do some geographic profiling that was broadcast in 2007. Uh, that should be broadcast in the US this fall. Uh, it's uh, the, the angle they're trying to give it is to try to show the London of the time, that the, the London the Ripper would have known, rather than just focusing on the Ripper case itself. But again, they've got me going around the murder sites there with their presenter pointing out where places were, and I believe what they're going to be doing is a bit of CGI reconstruction. Whilst I'm showing where things were, they're going to be going back to the old photographs and trying to do computer reconstructions around us as we're walking around, which I'm really looking forward to oh, seeing. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I look forward to that as well. You had mentioned uh, the first serial killer revealed. Um, before that came out in 2006, we had Is It Real, Jack the Ripper. National Geographic did this one. Mm, that's a good one. I think I've seen this one. I'd have to look on on my hard drive. What you remember of this one, Philip, why don't you tell us a little bit about that one? Well, um, Stephen Ryder's interviewed at length, and it's right, you know Stephen's right, going right, to be right. in it. Yes, you know yes, the one yes, I'm talking yes, about yes, now. Yes, now. Yes. Um, so if Stephen's in it, then it's, it's going to be you know everything Stephen says. It sort of like puts my knowledge in, really in the shade. Um, there's another woman in it. Um, I, I think she's some kind of criminal profiler. I can't remember who who she is, but she's interviewed as well. And a rather obscure choice as well. They interview Ivor Edwards as you right. know the, the author of uh, the 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 as a Black Magic um, Rituals book. Yeah. Um, and obviously I was going on about his theory, which I have to say on camera doesn't come across too well. Um, right. he's talking, he's talking about hiding in the gateway of, of, uh, of Brown Stable Yard in, in Bucks Row. And I'm trying to think, well, what's this got to do with anything? Yeah, I, I do recall that one. That, that was, um, shown a few times on American television as well, or at least National Geographic Channel, maybe. But Mike, have you seen that one? Is it real? Is it I've that? seen that one, yeah. It's... At the moment in the UK, the only version available is Region 1, uh, which is the American version. It's only available in a box set, um, but I do recall watching it because I remember the uh, the Arthur Edwards section. Um, but yeah, I quite, quite enjoyed that. It's a um, good documentary. And like you said, uh, Stephen Ryder's inter- interviewed extensively through it, which, which is a treat to see him on a documentary. I don't know if he's done any other documentary work besides that. But. Yeah, this is, this is the odd thing. You think with someone as Stephen standing, he'd be showing up on TV programs all the time, especially when researchers for these programs tend to look on the internet first to try and track people down. But all the TV ripple work I've done have been people contact me through the internet rather than anything else. And you would think someone as Stephen standing, he'd be crop up in programs all the time so he comes across pretty well he's you know he's erudite on screen yeah and uh yeah that <clears throat> now i don't know if that's been released on dvd oh oh mike just said that he was able to get it through a box set but it's an ntsc format um, that's right um so maybe for uh europeans playable on your computer only unless you have multi-region dvd players which seem, most seem, of us do now in the uk yeah, this see, is pretty of, easy none yeah. of us in america do i mean they're available. Um, I think Phillips makes one, but uh, you know, hard to come by. 
I think the issue you probably have in the US, Jonathan, is, is that because you have less lines on the screen, it's much easier for the UK to actually have a kind of format which fills in the gaps. You know, because you have less lines, we can have software that fills in the gaps um, because we have more lines rather than you trying to show something in the UK that has more lines than you could possibly fit on your format of player. Yeah, that, I agree that that's probably the reason, um, and uh, which is okay uh, because before too long I have a feeling that they're going to become obsolete anyway because computers uh, with DVD drives typically have no problem at all. Um, mm-hmm. So when, once people start watching this, their television programs on their computers, which they're already starting to do, it will no longer really matter. This, all right. Uh, now let's talk about uh, an, another – because it's recent, and, and I think it, it played uh, quite a bit, um, and we get people um, coming on Casebook.org mentioning it to this day, is the uh, first serial killer revealed documentary in which um, they um, did the photo fit. And um, – also did some geographic profiling, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe that's may have been the one where they tested the shawl also, correct? Or no? I don't remember the shawl bit. Um, I guess it. I guess they must have it done. If, if they said it was, wasn't conclusive, they they probably was. This is the one they didn't they interview Neil uh, Sheldon in this one as well, which I thought was a bit of a scoop to get Neil speaking about it. They actually deliberately tried to do a proper angle. Right. I'm speaking about the women rather than just the crimes. And um, this one was interesting also because although it deals with criminal profiling, which you know people have their opinions of, the criminologists, they had this woman criminologist there, profiler, and um, she had these life-sized uh, dummies that she would uh, recreate the murder scene. Ah, uh, yeah, it's her I was thinking of for the National Geographic one. Yeah, that's right. Oh, oh, was she was she was that the National Geographic one that she was in? No, and, I think not, I think you're, I think you're probably right. Video. I think I think she was probably in the UK one and I thought it was the National Geographic one. I have a feeling that Patty Cornwall's probably in the National Geographic one. Actually. Yes, I believe so. And and yeah. uh, and she uh, uh, picks up a knife in in one of the scenes um oh that's right and, and she she's showing how why a cutthroat razor wouldn't have been his weapon of choice because it would have closed on his fingers or something bizarre right, like that right uh, yeah she, she, yeah. yeah she has she, she's standing in front of a table full of weapons and and she like picks up one that she says is the one he would have used and all this mm-hmm. nonsense that was back that was the is it real jack the ripper one but the uh the first serial killer revealed um it, it, it's an it's an all right i mean you know, I, I liked the uh, profiler who did the recreations of the murder scenes using the life-size dummies. Um, mm-hmm. Their um, CGI was a bit lacking in the fact they got uh, the interior of 13 Miller's Court completely wrong. I know a lot of people were making comments about that after it happened. And um, and then, I mean, they basically uh, nail Kosminski in this one as the Ripper or someone like him, similar to what the FBI did back in the 80s. Um, yeah. I mean, didn't they, they claimed in the end that the likelihood was he lived in the area around Flower and Dean Street, which is hardly a revelation to most people. Right. And then the photo fit that they produced based on witness descriptions, which are of dubious uh, relevance to the case anyway, in my opinion, comes out to look like someone more like George Chapman is what some folks say. Freddie Mercury, say the rest of us. Freddie Mercury, right. <laughs> yeah. Howard, Howard Brown in the 1970s is another, <laughs> is another name that has come up. Uh, it, it's, like I said, because it's one of the more recent ones, it's, it's one that gets a lot of talk. 
you know, and, and you know, it, it couches everything in science, and this, you know, it's one of these CSI uh, type shows, uh, solve the case using tele- television uh, CSI type techniques. Yeah. Um, which, you know, mo- most of us kind of had a good laugh. Um, at that program, but well, new- it wasn't. It wasn't too badly made. Uh, they they were just trying to play with toys, uh, and that was its shortcoming. It was trying to get viewing figures by by using new um, techniques in presentation, uh, which would have made which would have got them viewing figures, but ultimately didn't really succeed. And and it's an all right one because it it, it tends to now this is debatable, I guess, but it brings people into the case. Um, because yeah. because it was shown so often, um, and it did have the CSI angle, it uh, it has sparked re- some renewed interest in the case um, for people who yeah. want to learn it's, more. It's an accessible piece. All its errors are things that aren't really important. There's nothing. There's nothing major. The the errors in there are, are schoolboy errors, really. So that that's that's a fairly decent one, and. Um, that may be released on DVD. I'm not. I'm not positive because they can churn these things out um, pretty quickly now um, on DVD. The last. Well, we'll talk about two more. 2007's Jack the Ripper case unsolved. It's another one of those like Philip was saying, unsolved history case unsolved case. You know, mystery. Um, blah blah blah. Uh, does anyone know anything about this one? Never heard of it. That doesn't mean I don't have it, but it doesn't ring any bells with me at all. Mike, have you heard of this one? No. Do you know who the presenter was at all? Investigation Discovery, so it may have been another Discovery Channel production. Now, one thing I do know, and I have no idea, this could be the program. Uh, I've had some friends of mine in the UK tell me they've seen a specifically Jack the Ripper documentary, in which I'm being interviewed about the Masonic Angle. Now, I know that footage has come from the Discovery one that I shot about Freemasonry. And I have a feeling they might have made a documentary out of it using some of that footage. Oh. I, I said, you sure, sure it's not a Freemason one? They went, no, it's definitely, it was an hour-long program on Jack the Ripper, and you're in it. And I went, well, this is news to me. Huh. This one is uh, written and directed by Dan Oliver. It was uh, British in origin. Uh, runs 50 Minutes by Atlantic Productions. Right. Atl- Atlantic is the company that I've just made the Being Jack the Ripper um, program for. Oh, okay. This showed on the Discovery Times channel in the United States last year, apparently. Laura Richards um, is in it. Laura Richards of Scotland Yard's violent crime director reopens the case. With the benefits of modern criminology and psychological analysis and working with a team of experts, one of which may be Philip Hutchison, (laughs) Richard uses 21st century techniques to understand a 19th century serial killer. It sounds similar to um, this first serial killer revealed. Mm. Well, the the people that made first serial killer revealed are the people that have just made being Jack the Ripper. So, so it's Atlantic Productions made the uh, the two thousand and seven one with the with the the profiling in it. It may be the same program with a different name. Ah, Laura Richards is the one in 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 the first serial killer revealed. Um, the the one with the mannequins. Right. Right. Okay. I, I I believe I'm not positive. I'll have to look mm. it up. And so um, that's another one that you may want to check out. Um, Philip Hutchinson may or may not be in it with a, re- with a rehash of I guess what was uh, done in the secret history of the Freemasons. So you're saying that that a friend of yours, well, now I had heard that that 
um, maybe they had cut the uh, the Freemasonry show. Um, yeah, there, there was there was two versions. There was the three hour one, which should have been shown in three hour long episodes, and there was a one standalone hour and a half version. Oh, okay. So, um, are you sure your friend wasn't referring to the hour? Definitely hour? not. Huh? No, it was it was it was shown on uh, satellite in the UK last summer. I think it was July last year. And uh, I asked, I quizzed her, I said, well, I've done this Freemason one, I've never done an English Jack the Ripper program before. And she said, no, it was a program about Jack the Ripper, and you were in it. Wow. So. And and they just would have lifted uh, the footage from the Freemason show and reused it in, in a second documentary. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, obviously, you know, when you sign the contract, they're free to do as, as they wish with it. Um, so that may well have been the case. Huh. Well, uh, the f- final one that we'll talk about is one that I don't have a date for, but the Travel Channel put it out, which is the United States uh, cable channel. You guys probably have it over in the UK. Um, called Jack the Ripper's London, Places of Mystery. And and I think this is a pretty recent one, but um, I don't know anything about it. And, but something tells me that it may have something to do with Richard Jones. Um, right. Um, well, Richard has done a, a, a lot uh, of of Ripper uh, work. He's he's done several uh, videos and DVDs which are on sell through uh, rather than having been broadcast. But he turns up a fair bit on TV doing programs as well. He did one uh, on Sky Television in the UK recently with the uh, the comedian Vic Reeves, um, which uh, people were fairly scornful not of Richard but of of the program because it was all done you know treating it a bit lightheartedly and not being serious enough about the subject. Uh, the, the Travel Channel one, I've I've not heard of that at all. That sounds like the kind of obscure program I'd be interested in seeing. Um, this uh, uh, actually, I just found the date. It came out in two thousand one, and um, that's all I can really find on it. Okay. What, so, what did you say the name was again, Jonathan? This is called Jack the Ripper's London Places of Mystery. is is a series. Right. But it is okay. it there... is put out by the Travel Channel. There is, we have a kind of UK equivalent of that. I'm going to be going back a little bit on this. It's a very obscure one. I've only got about two-thirds of it. There was a program on Discovery Home and Leisure in the UK in 1998 called Roots. And it was a presenter's, it was a half-hour one. Obviously, went with the commercial breaks, it's down to 23 minutes. Was taking a walk on a Jack the Ripper tour around London, dressed up as a police officer, of all things. But uh, there's a fairly good interview. He, I think he's in the Alma Tavern, and he uh, has a long interview with uh, Professor Bill Fishman. So, which, uh, you know, you, you think for a, a, a consumer program, you know, just, just done for a bit of fluff, to have Bill Fishman in there speaking about the London Victorian poor was actually you know, quite a thing to put in there. Yeah, that that'd be excellent. It's a, uh, this is uh, travel and leisure channel. Is that what you said? This Discovery Home and Leisure. Oh, that's it, right. it was on. Um, I've I've not seen it uh, broadcast since. It was it was ten years ago, and I managed to uh, to video it after it had been on for about five minutes or so. So I've I've got literally about a quarter of an hour of the program. Okay, yeah, and and it's called Roots. Um, R O U T E S. Yeah, it's it was it was part part of a series um, of, of just you know going traveling around the UK, uh, various things to do and and geographically what you'd find in certain regions. Wonderful, but yeah, that's something I I'd like to track down because I I don't know uh, that I'm familiar with any documentary that has fishermen in it. Mike, uh, have you seen either of those two last ones we mentioned? Um, Jack the Ripper case unsolved. Oh, you said you had never heard of it. Um, or this Travel Channel Places of Mystery, or the the Roots show that Philip was talking about. 
I've not no. I've just looked online for them, and uh, the only thing I can find is this uh, Jack the Ripper stroke roots um, available on a website. I'll find the link and I'll I'll email it across so put it with the show notes. Um, whether or not you can actually watch it, I've sent you some links to other programs you can watch. Um, but whether or not you can actually watch that one, it doesn't say. It just gives you an you know the name of the documentary. Um, one that Philip did mention that I do remember quite well was the uh, Vic Reeves Investigates, um, which was part of the Vic Reeves Investigates TV series when he did Jack the Ripper. Um, and again, you know, it was quite tongue-in-cheek. Um, anything that has Vic Reeves in, um, you've got to expect it to be quite sort of uh, comedic. Um, and, it, I mean, even to the point where they, they took the one of the Ripper letters to a, an handwriting... Um, expert and she read some of the work of the Ripper and she read Vic Reeves handwriting as well um, and I just kind of laughed at that point um, and I can't remember who he picked as a suspect but I know he, I know he had a board of suspects and he, he narrowed it down to one suspect and I can't remember who it was who he picked I think it might have been George Chapman um, I have no idea but it, I enjoyed it, it was quite fun um, and not too serious Now um, are there any um documentaries that we haven't mentioned that you, you guys yeah i think there's one we should mention well there's actually two i can think of that that uh, do require mentioning one is one of richard jones's documentaries unmasking jack the ripper which um was released in 2005 just as a, a dvd to purchase that has uh, very high credentials as well uh, it interviews at the end a woman who uh, supposedly could have been related to aaron kosminski and turns out that, that she wasn't related to it. I forget her first name her surname was Shine right I haven't seen that but I, I think I heard talk of it mm, that's that's available in, in multi formats as well I believe that the some have been, have been produced in, in region one uh, and the other one to mention is is one that hardly anybody's seen because it was never released um, I, I have a copy uh, just on video uh, it was a, a Swedish documentary shot in the uh, the late 1980s about the life of Liz Stride it's a quite quite an amateur piece uh, it's only semi-professional, but Martin Fido's in there, um, showing around Bucks Row and the board school before it was all, you know, uh, restored. Um, the classic bit in there: there's a few-minute interview with uh, a, a, an Irish workman who's clearly drunk, and he's speaking about how Jack the Ripper did all his murders in this street. He used to hang around in the doorways outside the theatres, and he killed, I think, dozens or hundreds of people. He said it's hysterically <laughs> funny. <laughs> Now the 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 one you mentioned first that I'm asking Jack the Ripper. People are uh, giving some credibility to that that Shine um, interview. Were they not? Or yeah, it's um I'm I can't remember offhand. I I mean I'm not casting doubt on anything the woman said. I I I may be wrong. I thought there was something had been mentioned about the fact that um there is an idea that she might be related but it turns out that she's not actually a direct relation it, it's some kind of step relation or, or or distant relation okay her name was Zena. Zena, that's Zena. it Zena shine yeah Zena. how could you forget a name like that <laughs> right i i do recall uh when uh, that came out and some discussions were taking place about it uh, mike any any um documentaries that we failed to mention that that you want to throw in here uh, no, I think you've pretty much covered what's in my collection and a lot more. Um, oh, and we have to look forward to uh, the documentary. I forget what you had, you had called it, uh, Philip, the one in which um, 
you're going to appear uh, this fall? Uh, that's right, yeah. What, what was it called? Uh, being Jack the Ripper. Being Jack the Ripper, right. That's, that's, that's its working title. It's, it's a pilot for an ostensible series. Oh, really? Like, yeah, it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be on Jack the Ripper. There'd be different people each, each week. I think they were going to do one on Florence Nightingale or something, one on Napoleon or that kind of thing. F- very famous historical figures, and the idea is meant to be to, to speak about the environment in which they lived. Right, and that, that does sound really interesting. Um, and that, that's the one you mentioned that they were going to do CGI. Um, that's try, correct, try, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. we all look forward to, to seeing that one. That, that could... Uh, beat out a lot of them that's one of the best ones if they do a good job you know because that's something that a lot of a lot of people uh interested in the case always want to see is some kind of um computer you know walkthrough or you know some kind of uh, good recreation of the sites to give give more life to the photographs that we're familiar well, with well i'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed that they they they're going to get it all exactly right um i do remember the the director he was going to show hanbury street with the two doors in it and i had to tell him no at the time of the murders there was only the one door the second door came many years later so he didn't know that so hopefully you know th- these things i can't think of any more particular errors there could be but we'll have to see when it's done right um well great um we look forward to that and that was RipperCast, episode 23, Watching the Detectives, a survey of Ripper documentaries. I want to thank our special guest, Philip Hutchison, for being on the show today. And I also want to thank, of course, as always, Mike Covell and Hull in the UK. We are a weekly podcast on Jack the Ripper and the Whitechapel murders, available from the iTunes Music Store, keyword Jack the Ripper, or at our website, www.rippernet.com. Any comments or questions you'd like to direct towards any one of us, guests or hosts you can email us at rippernet at mac.com and i also want to send a special thanks out to the posters on the casebook.org website for helping me out with compiling the lists of documentaries that were discussed on today's program and i'm jonathan mangus coming to you from topeka kansas and we'll see you next week thanks for listening bye-bye